Good evening and welcome to all of you all for join, uh, to, who are joining us tonight. It's a privilege to be here with you all. Uh, if you are a first time guest or if you're a returning guest, thank you so much uh, for spending your evening with us. And um, we hope that God has a word for you tonight. And uh, all you regulars, welcome. And uh, thank you all for being so faithful and tuning in here six days a week at, uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, you guys are, your faithfulness is greatly appreciated. Uh, if you'd like to know more about us, uh, please be sure to go to newarkupc.info. And there you can find all kinds of information about our church. Um, you can find out about uh, our kids' classes and how to get connected in particular, how to get your kids connected with us. Uh, you do not have to be a member of this church to do that. Um, the kids' classes as, or anything else for that matter, uh, if you would like to be a part of, of those things. We have small groups that meet um, in the evenings online uh, twice a month at 7 uh, p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So again, everything is at newarkupc.info. Uh, feel free to go there, uh, pass messages. Um, you can go there to give. And you can also go there to give us your feedback. If you go to that contact contact us card, you can even give us your feedback. And, and we want to know uh, what, what your thoughts are about what we got going on. And, and, and we want to be responsive to those things uh, when applicable. Um, but tonight we are continuing. This is our second week on parables. And um, I've, I've uh, had some, heard some funny ones, some interesting ones. Uh, but whatever they are, God intends for us to learn uh, through these illustrations that he gives us through these parables. And so uh, I pray that you will have ears to hear and uh, that you will learn something that you can apply to your life. Everything we do in the kingdom is that we can apply God's word to our lives so that we can grow, grow closer to him and uh, that eventually we can go home and be with him. What good is the word of God if we don't apply it? And so let's pray and we will jump into our parable for this for this night. Uh, and see what God has to say. Jesus, we thank you, God, for allowing us to gather here in your name. God, I ask that you would bless each and every person who is tuned into this broadcast, Lord, even live or eventually whenever they hear it, Lord Jesus. God, that you would bless each person, oh God, and let them glean something from your word that they can apply to their lives, oh God. Be with us this night, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you uh, the parable of the leaven. And another word for leaven is yeast. And I probably use both of those words interchangeably, probably yeast more so because yeast is something more, um, is a word that we use more in our current vernacular, uh, more so than leaven. But those two words are mean the same. So if I go back and forth, just know that I'm talking about the same thing. Uh, and so I'm going to uh, go to Matthew 13 and I'm going to start with you uh, with verse 33. And Jesus is saying, um, He's he's before this, he's given a lot of parables. I mean, he's just running off parables here. And here he gives another illustration is how the NLT puts it. And it says, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Now, all of you ladies who bake, you're like, oh, I understand that. Good. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. So Jesus loved to use things that people were familiar with. Right? You'll, you'll note that if you if you read the scriptures, and particularly the New Testament, where there were there was a 
agricultural society. He used things that they were familiar with. And he still wants, he wants to be relatable. So he's not trying to hide his truths from us. And so he tries to find ways to uh, connect with us. And so the, the idea of this particular illustration using something, again, common to the people, is that something small, maybe seemingly insignificant, can permeate. Permeate means to, to spread throughout the whole. Uh, and in the case of the yeast, it can grow exponentially. Think of flatbread. Anybody ever have pita bread? Or you get a soft taco from Taco Bell and how flat that bread is. And, and that would be unleavened bread. Uh, so pita or something like that uh, is, is more of a flatbread. Then think about a big fat loaf of bread, maybe a big fat loaf of sourdough bread. You can visually see the difference. The one that has the yeast, the big fat loaf, uh, and the one that's just flat, that has, that has no yeast. You can visibly see the difference. And so yeast, in case you didn't know that, uh, the bakers probably know. Uh, we got quite a few ladies at our church who are some mean bakers. I am not one of them. But they probably know this, that that yeast is actually a microorganism. Um, and it's con considered a fungus. If you know anything about fungi, it's plural of fungus, uh, if left untreated or undealt with, right, it can get nasty and spread like crazy. And there's good fungi. Yeah, believe it or not, there is. And there's bad fungi. And some mushrooms, right? Any, any mushroom lovers out there? I like mushrooms. Um, some, some mushrooms, well, mushrooms are fungus. Well, fungi. I keep that straight. And some are good, but some, are, some mushrooms will take you out. Some are poisonous. So just to give you an example of good fungi and, and bad fungi. And so in this parable that Jesus gives, and he really gives no further elaboration on this particular parable, but the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, he says, and it will permeate the whole, whatever that is. Not, not, maybe, my, maybe my ears are not sharp enough to hear, though, whether it's the whole world or the, or the person that it affects, but it'll permeate the whole. In this case, this is a good yeast. It's a good thing. So later in Matthew 16, Jesus uses this analogy of yeast again, but this time as a negative. In Matthew 15, uh, 16, starting with verse 5, he says, later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 7 says, at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Now, that seems kind of random, right? I mean, I, I realized they, they realized they didn't bring the bread, but then he goes, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they start going, oh, I knew we should have brought bread. What happened to you? You didn't bring the bread. And so they started arguing themselves because they, they hadn't brought any bread. And in verse 8 says, Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, have you so little faith? Why are you arguing with each other um, over not having any bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? And or what about the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Jesus said, I got bread down. Right? Bread is not the issue here. Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So here, this is a bad fungus, right? This deceptive teaching, unfortunately, 
that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were known for. Jesus is saying, beware of that. In Mark 7, we're going to look to another example uh, where Jesus refers to this leaven or this yeast. And he, and he, and he, he uh, ascribes it to another issue that's happening here with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, Mark chapter 7, Psalm verse 1 says, one, I'm sorry, uh, one day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow Jewish, the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many, note that, of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pictures, and kettles. Note the word ceremonial. Seriously? Verse 5 says, so the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked them, why don't your disciples follow our age-old traditions? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands of, from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. Mm -mm -mm. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, now Jesus gives a great example. I want you to listen to this example. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you can cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one among many others. I want to pause here for a second. I want you, let's, let us examine more closely the example that Jesus just used. Do you see how clever and deceptive what they, what they were doing is? Instead of providing for their parents, they vowed to give to God instead. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's pretty clever. I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, look, look at these, look at these dudes, right? Oh, you know. I, when I envision the Pharisees, I can't help but get my pompous voice on because they just, they just, woo, you know, and, and don't, let's not forget the Sadducees because Jesus is referring to both parties here, but the Pharisees tend to be the ones that seem to get called out the most. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure they, they, they were looking very dedicated and, and, oh, oh, look at that. This just awesome, right? They, oh, they, instead of doing this, they're going to give all to God and, and they're truly putting God above everything and everyone. That's sad. That's pretty clever. Right. Because aren't we supposed to exalt God above everything and above everyone? We are. Right. Very clever. Notice he said their deceptive practices is, is a form of leaven that they that they uh, put into the bread, if you will. That sounds really good. 
except they were skillfully sidestepping what God said. Don't you know that when you are caring for your needy parents, just using this example here, if God said this is what you should do, when you're caring for your needy parents, you are honoring God. Right. God said, the least you do to them, you do unto me. When you follow God's word, when you do unto others as God would have you to do, you do that unto him. You don't get to pick and choose or however, how you want to follow God's commands. God is, is often very explicit, very clear about his commands. You don't get to say, oh, well, he said do it this way, but I'm going to do it this way. And some of us are pretty clever about doing that. You know, I think about giving. I had a friend at one time who he had a problem with tithing. You know, he thought tithing was ridiculous and, and offering was ridiculous and, and that kind of thing. And, and he decided that he was going to give directly to the needy. You know, he was going to give directly to some you know organization, that kind of thing. And that was going to be his form of tithing. That's that Bible. Right? You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to skillfully size. That sounds really great. Right? Oh, I'm going to give to the needy. I'm going to, that's not what tithing is for. Right. That's not what your offering is for. Okay, now the church does have a role in this community, but I just want to use that as an example. You can't take what God said, uh, what, what God instructed you to do explicitly and do your own thing with it, make your own interpretation of it. And that's exactly what those uh, Pharisees uh, were doing in that case. And Jesus called them out for that, that example. So hold on to that. I want you to think about your life. I'm thinking about mine, right? Because I'm. we all have to be careful of deceptive practices. And we can be pretty deceitful uh, people ourselves. In fact, God said that the heart is wicked, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So we got to be sure. We got to be careful to, to um, keep a check on our own hearts. And, and so I want you to, as I'm speaking, and I want you to think about your own life and measure to the word. I'm going to come. I'm going to talk about that measure a little bit later on there. But and 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 in what ways you may be deceptively, or I'll use the words from scripture, skillfully sidestepping God's word. Got to be careful about that. Because this kind of thing is a big deal. If you and I would fully realize in just how many ways we are sidestepping God's word because we lack understanding. I'm going to pray that God will give us ears to hear, right? Because we lack understanding. Again, I gave you a couple examples of how we we, we want to apply things our way, not God's way. And um, when I, when I think about this in this uh, example that Jesus gave, in this case, they were neglecting their parents. But, you know, I've been around the church a long time now, and I can't tell you how many wives are being neglected, right? Because their pastor husband is giving all of his time to the work of God, right? That sounds good, right? I'm dedicated. I got to take care of these people. I got to all to neglect of his wife and his own family. That is not God's way. God says that we should love our wives, or that men should love their wives as, as, as he loves the church, right? God is not neglectful by any means. He takes care of his responsibilities. So your your family, our families are a part of God's kingdom. God, God, our families are a part of what God has called us to, if you will. So when we're neglecting those things that God has uh, required us to give our attention to, we're not honoring God by that. All right. So don't get, we can't use the kingdom, you know, as, as a means to get all busy and to the neglect of the things that we're responsible for. So just just I threw out as a freebie, just another example of that. So the church can be and is. I hate to say it, the church is full of yeast. And we got to be careful. It can be so full of yeast and, and that is so far from its true form that what it's supposed to be is scarcely recognizable. And we've gotten the churches. And when I say church tonight, I mean the church as a whole. Right? I'm not talking about any particular denomination, but the church overall um, 
is full of yeast. There's so many things, so many ancient traditions, if you will, so many things that are have been stuffed into it that, that literally permeated that is scarcely recognizable. It's far from what God intended. And the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees, you know, I want you to relate. I'm going to give you some of the things that they um, that they were guilty of, if you will. And I want you to think about how we as the current day, you know, the church in 2021 are equally as guilty of some of these practices. You know, they were they were known, we read, right, for all this washing of pots and pans and washing of hands and all this ceremonial business and, and, and what made them what made them clean or unclean. And, and again, this washing of hands, this external stuff, pots, but they thought that made you clean. But Jesus clearly said that it's not what goes into man, but it's what comes out of the man that defiles him. Okay? We got to we got to be careful of our interpretation of things. Um, uh, the Pharisees, they had ill regard for the loss. Right? They weren't necessarily concerned with the other right? Uh, and, and how they treated other people. In fact, there were a lot of outcasts of them, all those dirty people that they don't want to associate with and that kind of thing. I want to eat with this person. I don't want to you know, do this with another person because I, I don't want to get dirty. And, these and so they had these lines drawn. They were isolationists. They had gone too far with this thing. But Jesus is inclusive. Right, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight. Jesus was in, beware of the leaven. Beware of things that are not scriptural, that actually work against the kingdom and not for the kingdom. Um, the Pharisees were, were, were famous for praying on the street corners. You know, they want to make their long, elaborate prayers on the street corners for everybody to see, showing off, doing too much, as we would say these days. And, 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 and Jesus said, go in your closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't use a whole bunch of vain repetitions in Babylon. I'm not deaf. You know, and so, you know, OK, we're talking about beware the leaven, all this extra, all this stuff that's not what God said it should be. Uh, they were also known for their enlarged what they call them, phylacteries and their fringes. And, you know, that was another way of saying, oh, look at me. Look at me. I'm so religious. I'm so this. I'm so that. Again, I told you to think about your own life as I'm speaking here tonight. When Jesus said, no, be nondescript. Yeah, I don't want you. Um, to be flamboyant, just be modest. You know, we can even take the things of God and and, and exaggerate them and make them into something uh, to be shown, make you know something uh, outward thing. You know, uh, they went too far with it. So God said, no, don't do things to draw attention to yourself. Not about you, all about me, all about God. And so we have to look to the true bread, which is Jesus Christ, right? He's the bread. We got to look to him for our examples, look to the scriptures for our examples. In Luke 12, uh, verses one through three, Jesus recorded that. Yeah, another example of the I call it the bad stuff, right? We talk about yeast as a fungus, right? I'm going to, a, a, a bad example here. And in verse twelve, he says, "Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other." Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, "Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy." Oh, so he had deceptive practices and all their uh, all their ancient traditions before. Now he's going to call them out their yeast as it, their hypocrisy. And this, uh, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Okay, Jesus said the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you do one thing um, in public 
and you do another thing behind closed doors, right? So here, here again, the, the beware church, right? Of where we act all religious in public, but we're lying and scheming and living ungodly lives behind closed doors, right? That's yeast, that's a bad yeast, right? When we have ill motives and, and you know, we saw when we were um, looking at the story of the events that preceded the crucifixion and we saw the, the, the behavior of the, of the Pharisees and behind the scene, plotting and scheming, yet on the front, they're these great religious, you know, holy uh, uh, men, right? Beware of that. They're not the only ones. Again, we deal with that right now to this very day. So this message is relevant. It's as relevant um, now as it, as it was then. <clears throat> and the church is bloated. I'll put it that way. Again, I'm talking about that yeast, right? Think of the little pita bread or your little soft taco from Taco Bell, right? That how flat and then how big everything. And the, when you stick the leaven in, how when it permeates, it's just this big blob. And, and so, yeah, the church is, well, it's a big piece of sourdough bread right about now. We got to be careful. And I'm, again, I'm using church as a whole. And we're having a really hard time deciphering scripture from yeast. Beware of the leaven. Beware means to be cautious, right? To be alert. There's, you know, there's danger lurking here. You know, be, be on point. And um, <clears throat> some of the dangers that we can face in the church is that we got to beware of requiring unnecessary things to please God. Right? Stick to the scriptures. What did God say? There's enough there. Trust me. There's enough that that we, um, as many women of God, need to grapple with, right? We need to engage with the spirit of God. There's enough there. In fact, God says, don't add to or take away. There's enough in God's word, right? We don't need to be adding in things that are not scripture, holding people to, giving people a hard time, you know, when, when what God meant to be freedom turns into bondage, right? Stay to the word. There's enough. There's plenty there, right? And we got to be careful of exalting man or any tradition over God. That's called idol worship. Got to be careful in our churches, <clears throat> Well, we have some awesome pastors um, who have been faithful and have done extraordinary things in their lives um, under the anointing of God. But that man or that woman is not God. And no man is to be exalted to that position. None, zilch or whatsoever. So we got to be careful not to put people, you know, higher than they belong. Uh, we're all humans, right? We're all on the same level. We're all servants of God. So no man or woman without God. I mean, what are we? What are we without? He's the one. That gets all the glory. So we got to be careful not to exalt people uh, above God and all these traditions. You think about it. <clears throat> I'm sure out on this broadcast, there's people that have all different kinds of backgrounds, church backgrounds in particular, have all kinds of traditions. And, um, you know, sometimes each tradition can go back so far that you don't even know they're not scripture. They just always were. Right? That's how traditions work when they've been passed down and passed down and passed down. You don't even question them. Right. You just you don't even know the difference. You, you think that's the way it's supposed to be. You don't even know. And so what happened with the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is an easy progression of what can happen when we start off on the right track and then we lose track of our base. Right. What we're founded on, which is the word of God. And then what was true becomes that which is controlling and corrupt and self-serving. It ceases to be about God and his mission, and it takes on a whole new shape. Think about that big bloated loaf of sourdough bread I have in my mind tonight. No, something far from the original, what it was supposed to be. Something distorted, 
something that hurts as opposed to helping, something that becomes a stumbling block instead of a bridge. And we can get really far off with a whole bunch of leaven. And, and I, again, I'll replace leaven with what we get caught up in the church. We get caught up in a bunch of traditions and all this you know, hoopla. So I, I'm asking the church to hear me tonight. Beware the leaven. That's what Jesus said. Beware of the leaven. Not didn't just end with the Pharisees. Study God's word. You got to know God's word for yourself. I'm telling you, if it's if it was ever a time to know God's word, which is always has been a time to know God, you need to know God's word now. There's so many voices. I mean, on this internet, for example, we have unprecedented exposure to to messages, and you know, everybody's got a word, and everybody's a prophet, and everybody's a, an apostle, and everybody, and there's, there's word coming at us from everywhere, right? You know, before the internet became such a big thing, you know, wasn't so easy to get so many different sources of word to you. But right now it's all over the place. You got to know God's word. Folks sound good. Right? Folks got a whole bunch of things they've interjected into the church that shouldn't be in the church. You got to be careful. You got to be able to discern which is which. Right. So you got to study God's word. You got to have a relationship with God. Sometimes you don't even know. Right. We can't we can't know fully. Um, all of God's word. We study it. We do the best we can. But there's this thing when you have a relationship with God, you feel with his spirit. Sometimes he'll just check you. You know, and you go, hmm. you know, he'll just draw your attention to something. Right. You got to be in relationship with him. Right. God said he will guide and lead you into all truths. Question everything. I mean it. Just quit swallowing stuff. You know, hook, line and sinker. Question everything. It's your soul on the line right here. You have a right to question. I don't mean question disrespectfully. I don't mean to, you know, be a loud mouth and out of order, that kind of thing, but question things, right? You hear something in the church and it don't jive, get your Bible out, study it out, go to that man or woman of God and say, hey, where was that? You know, that, and, and get, you, you owe it to yourself to get understanding, right? You, 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 you can question everything. Some practice going on that, you know, sometimes we see things in church and we just kind of turn about and we go, oh, well, we trust that, you know, this person is, we trusted that and, and we, we put too much trust. Uh, and man, and we we don't have a right. You owe it to yourself to find out: is that scripture or not? Is that Bible? My question: Is that God's way? Is that God's word? If not, keep it in perspective. Some of these traditions, like I mentioned to you tonight, some of these traditions they're not bad. They don't they're not harmful to the church. Right? It's okay. Just don't call it God's word. Right? So some things can stay. Just don't call it God's word. But other things need to go. They're detracting. They're they're they're. Um, they're the negative fungi, right? They're killing folks. They need to go. They deceive. You got to be careful about that. I know back in, uh, that was 19, no, I'm sorry, that was 2016 uh, when uh, Pastor Steve did a message on the year of the plumb line, the plumb line, where here at Newark, if you guys are not from here who are listening, I know many of you are, those of you who are here probably remember that. We did a year of the plumb line. Um, Plumb line is a, a way to measure, you know, hold it up against the standard, right? In, in, in our church, it's the word of God. We're looking at the church and we're holding it up against the plumb line and, and seeing where we are, not according to the church down the road or not according to the church, you know, in some other district, but according to the word of God. We're going to measure ourselves against the word of God and we're going to get closer, closer to that standard, right? So, you know, we're going to look at every aspect of the church, you know, is that? Measuring up? Is that yeast? Oh, is it good yeast or is it bad yeast? And we're gonna we're gonna, you know, piece by piece. And some of you saw a whole lot of things go whoop. And they went because they were yeast. 
Not necessarily bad. Not bad. Not bad yeast. Let me say that. Uh, but things that take away. Right? Things that weren't core, not weren't central necessarily. And so here at Newark, you know, we're fine. We don't have a whole lot, whole lot of pomp and circumstance. So you've been around here for a while. You're saying, yeah, that's true. Right? We don't do a lot of whole lot of pomp and circumstance. Some of you love us for that. Some of you wish we were more like some other churches. You miss, you know, the big anniversary celebrations and pastor's birthday and, you know, you name it, name it, all those things that, you know, you miss some of those things. I, I get it. Right. Some of you don't know what to think about us. These are some strange birds. Right. But we really we, we strive to be authentic. We strive to be. Um, well, the word is authentic. That's what we strive to be. here. And so if you don't know what to think about us, I'm going to challenge you now to get your ruler out. If your ruler is tradition, mm, we're not going to measure up. I'm going to tell you that right at the outset. If your ruler is your particular culture, well, you're probably going to find us lacking there too. We are a diverse congregation and we wholeheartedly believe that the church is a place for all people. Right? We try to make church conducive to all people, not one particular culture. You know, if you're the kind of person that you judges, you judge the church by the pastor. I know sometimes you see, a, you know, you may see a white pastor and you say, well, that's a white church. Or you see a black church. Pastor, say, oh, well, that's the black pastor. Well, that's a, right. No, 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 no. Right. The, the, the pastor doesn't make up the church. Is that the right? This is a diverse church. Right? We've been a diverse church for years now. Right. So we don't play that whole that, you know, catering to one particular people. Right. Cater to the word of God. Um, but if the word of God is your ruler, well, you're going to find us closer in alignment with that. Perfect. Nope. But that's what we're pursuing. We want to get as close to God's way as we can. As we learn, we're actively adjusting so that we can more closely measure up to God's word. Now, if you think that's instability, I don't know. That's growth. That's absolute commitment to God. Right? Some of us feel like we change. I know there's I've heard of stories of, of churches who have come to uh, various revelations about God, but they belong to a particular organization or, you know, maybe they feel like if they change then they're going to lose their, their following, that kind of thing. And, and so they trade the truth that they've discovered and they've kept the traditions that they've always you know, ascribed to. And we can't do that. Right? We're learning. We're growing. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. As you learn God's word, as God reveals, you need to. That's what you do in your individual life. Right. As God reveals, you change. You line up to that. And that's what this church is endeavoring to do. We want to be closely as possible what God wants us to be. That's our goal. And so we can't get so fixated on a person or personality or what other churches do traditionally, that kind of thing. No, we got to look to God's word. It's the standard. Right. Beware of the leaven. I remember some years ago, uh, our missionary to Nigeria, uh, Brother Phelps was here. And uh, in his speaking, he was talking about when they were establishing the the, um, the Bible school there in Nigeria. And um that he, they had to they had to establish a basis for how they're going to operate, right? You talk about a place with lots of cultures and, and that kind of thing, and that they were going to establish this. I'll call it a tool. Forgive me, brother Phelps, if I'm butchering this. this. Is my my recollection of this, but he, he established a standard for how they're going to operate. How they going to how are they going to determine what is truth and what is not? And and these couple of words that he shared 
with me stuck with me to this day. Like they, they actually come back to my mind uh, fairly frequently. But he's going to lay out this rule for how they're going to operate. He and his students and his teachers there. How are we going to operate as a school? And this is how we're going to decide what's God's word or not. Chapter, verse. Yeah. Show me. Chapter, verse. Now, I'm challenging you guys tonight. As you as you grow and as you discover and as you engage churches and you, whether you're new or in this church, right? Is it in the word? Or some of us want to insist on things, right? We, we need to do this and we need to do that. Is it in the word? Chapter, Verse. Yeah, that, that's how we need to operate. If you didn't find it, whatever it is, right? If it's in God's word, it's a part of his plan. We want to apply it. But if it's not, again, maybe it's something that's not harmful. Maybe some good yeast. You know, maybe some cultural benefit. You know, we'll have to determine that. But we don't want the bad yeast. We don't want the deceptive practices. We don't want the hypocrisy. Right. Those things kill. Those things hurt. Those things work against God's kingdom and not for God's kingdom. So beware of the yeast. You got to be able to detect it to beware of it. Yeast, when it permeates bread. In the natural, you can't get it out. Right. Once that yeast permeates that bread, the only way to get rid of that is to toss it. But with God, well, with God, all things are possible. Right. He's getting the yeast out of us as individuals. He's getting the yeast out of us as a church. Right. It's possible with God. I'll leave you with this one last verse. This is Paul speaking to the church in Galatians. And Paul picks up on this yeast analogy also. And he says these this false teaching is like a little yeast. Here he says it again. That spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. It's my prayer for you guys tonight, for me tonight, right? That God would keep us from believing false teachings. I want to walk in the truth of God. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. The enemy loves to sow confusion. He loves for us not to know tradition from Bible. Culture from Bible. He loves for us to get it all mingled up in that big old fat loaf of sourdough bread. And we don't even know what to call it. In fact, we call it church. That's when we get into trouble. Untangle. Get to your word of God. Learn to be a discerner. Pray and ask God to lead you. Right? Beware of the leaven. The leaven will take you out. Right? We want to be saved. We want to help others walk in the spirit of truth. We want others to be free. So go. And with Jesus' words tonight, beware of the leaven, right? With God, you can be a discerner. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. All for your word tonight, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, for um, giving us a, a warning, Lord Jesus, that can help lead us and guide us, oh God, that we won't just take all that comes to us, hook, line, and sinker, Lord Jesus, but we will filter it through your word, Lord Jesus. God, we want to be followers of you. Lord, we want to be faithful to your word, Lord Jesus. We want to help bring others out who are all entangled into darkness, Lord Jesus. Help us to be light, oh God, in this world. Be with us, Lord Jesus, as we leave this broadcast tonight. And help us, Lord Jesus, to walk according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it was an honor to be with you all tonight. Don't forget, 
where you need to go. NewarkUPC.info for all things Newark. That's your one-stop shopping place to go to get all the information you need about us. God bless you all. And we will see you all again. Let's see. I get my days all tied up here. Oh, this is Tuesday. Yes. Oh, uh, we will see you all tomorrow night for a live Bible study. I'm sure it'd be great. Uh, same time, 7 p.m. Um, God bless you all. And we'll see you then. Have a great night.